Hi, I'm Christopher Carter, and I'm ready to have a productive conversation with my friend, Mike Vardy. I'm really excited to have this conversation with Christopher Carter, really revolving around his book, Permission to Glow, a spiritual guide to epic leadership. We get into the idea of glow and and permission, such a big, big word. There's so much to get into, and I'd rather just have you hear us talk about it than me pontificate about it. So let's get to that conversation now. Here's my conversation, a productive one at that, with Christopher Carter. Christopher, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. It's always great to meet another Chris with a K because my brother is a Chris with a K as well. So it, it's, it's... Oh, what a, what a lucky guy. He goes through <laughs> life like me with his name perpetually misspelled. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you've got it both ways. You've got the, the... He has the PH and you have the FF. So that's like doubly that's right. tricky, right? But uh, I mean... I really am excited to be able to chat with you about this book. The book is called Permission to Glow. And I've been chatting with people. Actually, I just chatted with um, Julie Funt not too long ago um, and her book, A Minute to Think. And permission was one of the words that kept coming up in her book. And this idea of permission, I want to explore right out of the gate. We'll get into the glow and the elements that you talk about in the book. But why is permission something that we really need to kind of hone in on and maybe uh, lean into a little bit more uh, when it comes to, you know, the work we do and the life we lead? Well, I think we default to not giving ourselves permission. So just by even inferring that there is another option to give ourselves, it activates an awareness. Mm. And, and that's my intention there. It's not my permission to give anybody else through the book. It's for me to offer them as permissions to give themselves. And there's four permissions that you bring up in the book, right? The four permissions. We're going to go through each section, but I, remember, I don't want to, let's let's leave a nice little taste for people. I, you've done this before. You know yeah. how this works. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I, um, I just told you that I came back from vacation and it was a two island hopper. It's, there was n- very limited Wi-Fi. There's, so it was v- basically a place where all I could do is just relax and be present and essentially chill. And the first permission is permission to chill. Now, what do you mean by chill in that context? Is it, is it the relaxation element or is it the um, reducing anxiety element? Like, can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah, so chill has become kind of a blanket term for anything we can do, the defiant act of slowing down. I mean, our our modern age, our digital age is so amped and ramped at all times that I'm, I'm a huge proponent of creating a daily meditation practice. I think that's very core to chilling out in the deepest core of our being. Um, but mostly I just want to give you know, leaders and, and fellow productive people that are just go, go, go all the time, the ability to tap out once in a while and hit that pause button and just chill and take a look around and be with what is. How do you combat the biases around that? Again, this comes up a lot. Like, I don't have time. I don't have time to do that. Like, you know, or, yeah. and it, but it also, it comes, it comes at it from both ways. One is I don't have time. And then you show them that they do and then they say well that must be nice for christopher or that must be nice for mike because they've oh, got yeah, this, totally. and this and this so how do you how do you 
uh, again, we kind of talked about this before we hit the record button, but how do you have that discussion without necessarily having to dismiss them out of hand? Because a lot of this gets dismissed out of hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You're, like you're Canadian, you don't understand. Exactly, exactly. You're Canadian, you don't understand America. <laughs> right. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Right, right. Like, right, how, right. How, do you, how do you help someone through that? Yeah, well, a, a lot of my professional career has is spent lobbing missiles to get the attention of very high-performing productivity junkies, mm. you know, and, and I'm not saying they're not productive, but it is a total fallacy to argue the time thing because the, the two biggest scarcity constructs in all of human history, all of human existence are time and money. Yep. There will never be enough of either. Mm-hmm. And um, what I'm more concerned with is creating what yogis call right action. So when we, when we move beyond action for action's sake, the time that you invest in getting more efficient, you know, this in your line of work, the time that you invest in getting more discerning, more aware, more calm, more focused, that is subtractive. It's not additive. It's not additive to the time you already are chasing. So, so when people start arguing that I usually, uh, my spidey senses go up and I uh, do something to get their attention. Well, and there's this expectation too, that, that if you're not doing something, then you're not being productive, which is a fallacy as well. Right? Like, I mean, that, that's a big thing. And, uh, people, like you said, they confuse, um, activity with productivity right they could they, they confuse this like i'm just doing stuff and if i don't do stuff then i'm not being productive and that's just not the case well and, and i think it kind of sets up the second permission to feel the feels because it, right. it's kind of it, at the core of that is what i hear in that is when people confuse their net their their self-worth with their output and that's a dangerous place to play as well. And, I, and I'm going through it right now, you know, in the middle of a book launch, it's very complex. There's a lot of details, you know, I'm, I'm cranking as much as I can each day. And at some point I have to just make peace with what did and what didn't get done each day, realizing that whatever did get done or didn't isn't reflective of my self-worth. Self-worth comes first before what we did or didn't get done. Do you think that's a generational thing too? I mean, I, I'll get a little bit personal here, but I've oh, always yeah. I've always felt that my like growing up, my father lived in a household whereas you are what you did, not you are who you are. And yeah. I've really tried because my dad was like a bridge of that, right? Where he 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 tried desperately to break free of that that mentality, but it was really hard because that's all he grew up with, right? You are what you do, not you are because of sure. your, you know. Um, I think that that's part of it too, right? This idea of if I'm not if I'm not hitting a certain level, if I'm not making the most of all this stuff, then I'm less than. Then I am less than. Not the work, not the task, not the. I mean, the, so you're not giving yourself that vulnerability thing, which I think is a new. That's something that we need to lean into more too, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the world uh, in its present form is squeezing it out of us. We have to be more vulnerable if we're <laughs> yeah. going to sustain ourselves. But, but yeah, to to your point about the generational thing, I mean, I I, I noticed it with my dad certainly, and there's there's older um, leaders that I've coached where when they lose a job position, it's like losing their identity. Yeah. And, and that's kind of tragic, you know, to, to get so enmeshed with your role at work that your role as a human being um, is, is tied up in that. Peter Gabriel wrote probably the best song about that subject in history um, called uh, Don't Give Up. The song mm-hmm. Don't Give Up from the 90s was about this, you know, confusing your, 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 you know, your work life with your entire identity. And, and yeah, I think that, but, but what's encouraging to me is that all generations are coachable. 
to some degree, and they are open to what what are the values and the benefits of actually being, you know, vulnerable, exploring life beyond what I did at work today. All right. So you've got some symbolism that you throw in throughout the book as well, right? We've already touched on the first two permissions, but I want to, I want to touch on the third one because um, I, and this has come up in the last few interviews I've done. None of these interviews I've done for or conversations that I've had uh, will necessarily air all in order, but I'm really hyped up about a new wrestling organization because I'm a pro wrestling fan. And one of the, I know it's like, wait, what? Um, But one of the (laughs) things that, that came up and and as I was going through the, it happened recently. This new wrestler debuted, and he had a lightning bolt like in the middle of his uh-huh. name. And I'm like, hey, I just I just read about that, and that's the, um. And what was what was also interesting is when he debuted, it was the the lights went dark, and there was this anticipation it was going to be somebody else, and it was this other person, and they're like, oh, he's a good guy, he's coming, and it was all lightning bolts and like just bright lights, but it was the only thing that was coming on. He came down. And then he swerved everybody and ended up being a bad guy instead and joined the bad guys. And all I could think about during that whole moment was, this is amazing. This is amazing. This guy. And the look on this guy's face uh, was just, he had just left another organization, was with this one. He looked radiant. Like he was getting to do exactly what he wanted to do. And from from all accounts, he turned down a high salary. He turned down so much. And he said, nope. This is what I want. So when we talk about the third permission, the permission to glow in the dark, as you talk about, like there was some connection there that I kept, it came back to me. I'm like, oh, yeah. And that, and that excitement around it was, I mean, later tonight, after I'm done having this conversation with you and after dinner, he's going to be on the next wrestling show, which I haven't watched wrestling like actively in a long time. Oh no, I'm watching that program because now there's this infectiousness to it, right? Now you're a fan, yeah. Well, back it's, to being a fan. I'm, I, he's tapped back into it, right? So, yeah. Well, there's there's a couple overtones there that you mentioned uh, as far as permission three, permission to glow in the dark. I I file that as full self expression with witnesses, unapologetically yourself. Um, it can happen in a moment of insight or just a moment in performance where you have this actualization thing happen and people can feel it around you or it can gradually emerge over time. And in working through that section of the book, I had to really play with the contrast of light and dark because mm. that moment of flashing and glowing doesn't happen without the ever present fear. So when people hire a coach, they usually hire me for the third permission. They want permission to glow in the dark. They want to do the thing they're here to do. However, we have to dance with that ever-present fear of what's holding them back and do the thing anyway. Well, and that's, again, that came up when I was watching this because I'm like, this guy turned down guaranteed money. Like, he could have been set, but he stuck with what he really was passionate about was to have creative control over what he wanted to do with his his work, with his passion. And it showed. And and I think that that – so when you're going through these permissions, because we'll get to the fourth one in a second, but Mm -hmm. there – they see they're listed sequentially, but they work in tandem. Like there's there's a um, there's an ebb and flow to them, right? 
There is, there is. And uh, yeah, they are, they can be ascending gates of your own, claiming your own power, clearing your mind and then feeling your emotions, tuning in with your emotions and then glowing in the dark and then the fourth. Mm -hmm. However, they are also independent of one another. This will be the first in a series of five books. I'll be writing a book about each of the, um, each of the four permissions. Mm -hmm. And any one of these can and will absolutely change your life. But like yoga, it's an integrated system. And when you integrate these things together, they have powerful compounding effects. Like there's something powerful about what you experience coming off of that, just witnessing this, this gentleman's, you know, awareness and presence in the, that moment is he's experiencing this moment of vocation. He's mm-hmm. doing, he is his work and his work is him and he's doing his thing and he's lit up and everyone around him could feel it. I mean, that's, you know, my daughter's a professional singer. When I see rock stars, that's what we feel coming off of rock stars. Very similar. And, right. Exactly. Same. It is. Yeah, totally. And there is a absolute connection with those earlier permissions of, you know, can they can they quiet their mind to navigate where they want to get to in this noisy, noisy world, distracting world? Can they tune into their intuition and be guided by their feelings, which is the second permission? And yeah, permission to go in the dark is the obvious result. So here's where we get to the next thing that happened at that event, because I think it leads into a bit of the 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 fourth permission. So the guy that they expected to show up, people like, where is he? Where is he? And again, this this wrestling organization is bucking all the trends of what the the traditional WWE, WWF has done. Um, this bad guy, this guy who turned bad, they thought he was good. He start they're, they're all the bad guys in the ring. There's this good guys that are all beaten up and they're down and all that stuff. And then the lead bad guy says, uh, I'm going to say good night. I'm going to send everyone happy. Bye-bye. And then all of a sudden, the music of the guy that they did expect shows up. And he's nice. beaming. Lights didn't go off, but the, everyone was – he's still – this guy, still Sean, brighter than the guy that just debuted because it was what he was yeah. expected. So it's like he he glowed in that, that – there was already a lot of light there. And he said, look, look at all these stars that are here, and here I am. Now, as I talk yeah. about this – that I think there's a correlation to the fourth permission to a degree. There can is. we can we can we expand upon that? Yeah. So uh, some good friends of mine, and one of them who does happen to be a, a pretty big rock star down here. Her name is Ani DeFranco. She's a um, an independent singer songwriter. I, I have I am a fan of her music. <laughs> she she's she's made an incredible career, and um, she she asked me one day. I was interviewing her for my podcast, and she said, "Well, what happens when you?" glow in the light like if, if we remove the darkness and, and the fear is gone what does that look like and it planted a seed and as i started writing that that section of the book as, as i understand it that fourth permission is about the people who have done the work of those earlier three permissions when they're when they're willing to be in their own eternal work when they're willing to be in their own emotions and their own p- potential for failure which is the darkness and still glow then they could come together and there's less competition. I mean, it's, it's a competitive world, but we could transcend competition for collaboration. Right. And I think if there's anything that our creator could be asking of us right now at this moment in time, when the world is burning, when COVID is running rampant, when political division is everywhere is to get over our petty differences and to come together and and collaborate. So we are less threatened and less triggered when we are surrounded by people who have done the work, you know, we are inspired by them. We stand shoulder to shoulder with them. We are peers. We are not competitors. Well, and, and again, to the example I gave, this guy 
had every capability of, of talking smack about the, the organization he left, which he, by the way, main event at WrestleMania three months prior. So he was one of the top dogs. Wow. He didn't. He didn't. He was very gracious. He was very he, – he took the high road completely. And that's because he knows what he's capable of. And he knows what – like he was fully – it was just really fascinating to watch all of this unfold. And as I was thinking about like these elements of permission, most it's all – fear is what keeps us from doing – really, all four of these, it's fear that right. that, that, that that is the – Kind of the, the, it's the thing that messes us up. So, and and I think it shows up in those form of biases. You know, the idea of oh, this I I can't do this. Uh, this this isn't the way we normally do things. Oh, someone else has done this before. Right. Um, who and, who am I to do this thing? Or we scroll social media and compare and despair. It's you know while you're talking about uh, wrestling. And by the way, I love the fact that you chose wrestling as like the lens to, 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 <laughs> well, to view. Well, I could have gone down DDP yoga too. I could have gone down. <laughs> oh no, no, I actually pr- prefer it. I'm, I'm a Gen X kid, and I yeah. grew up with like the earliest WrestleMania, so I, I totally love it. But I think of a guy like The Rock, Dwayne mm-hmm. Johnson, and that guy has transcended all different industries to become this industry unto himself because yep. he is an a true ambassador of goodwill. I, 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 it's hard for me to think of a person that actively doesn't like or hates Dwayne Johnson. He represents something I think that's actually pretty pure as far as what's possible and what's, you know, what human potential could look like, you know? Right. And, um, so yeah, I think of um, all of my earlier, earliest memories of just like huddling around the TV, you know, watching WrestleMania. Again, if if Dwayne Johnson, who was a, he's like a fourth or third or fourth generation wrestler, he's seen right. others go before him. Plus, he also saw other wrestlers that like Hulk Hogan and those guys that were super popular. He's like, well, who am I to do that? No, nah, he was definitely somebody to do that. So I think that that one of the things that that I'd love for people to get out of this conversation is beyond the fact that we permission is such a huge thing, the permission to glow um, is how how do these when you tap into these four permissions, how are you able to not just, not just, um, you can't really avoid fear. It's there. Like it's, but, but how do you lean into it or make it, make it, uh, not as paralyzing or as, as, um, debilitating as it is or can be well one of the one of the central themes of the book that i explore in each of the permissions is this concept of the big honk and dream like we all have one you know you're we're, maybe we're living part of it right now just even having this conversation but everyone out there has one and on the way to pursue that big honk and dream we will get confronted even if not by all the predictable fears that show up and the tax man and the mm-hmm. what, whatever the thing is the mortgage payment there's still the 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 dream itself is confronting you know even the the enormous like i'm no i'm noticing it with my book I've, I've treasured this idea for so long and the closer it gets the more part of me wants to resist it yep. it's because that that eventuality of coming face to face with something you've been dreaming about it's 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 a big freaking deal but i, I would say that each of these are tools we can use to dance with that given predictable ever-present fear and fear is not a weakness courage is the muscle we build by doing the thing anyway mm-hmm. you know and it's just a muscle that we develop over time by just just one percent more five percent more ten percent more and over time you'll be doing your chances are you're already doing things that you once completely you're probably taking things for granted that you once thought were totally impossible 
that's the work of first of all, slowing down, feeling into what's coming up for you, noticing the fear and doing the thing anyway, glowing in the dark, and then standing shoulder to shoulder with others to, to hopefully create some positive change in the world. I mean, this is what's being asked of us. And that's why when we look around, we see so much darkness and so much fear. I think it's here to inform us. It's here to activate us. What I really appreciate about the book as well is the fact that you can revisit it, right? Because we need that. We need books that allow you to go back and go, right, like, right, right? And the the term permission, like just looking at that, I mean, I've got it on my Kindle here, but if you're looking at it on a spine on a bookshelf, you're like, permission, let me see what that is. Like, right, I do have permission to do these things. And I think that that's something that I really can appreciate as a writer, but also who reads a lot of books and talks to a lot of people about their books, is the fact that this is not a one-and-done book. This is not a one-and-done proposition. This is a book that I'm not, I'm not going to say it's like a reference book, but it can act as one as you make your way through this journey. Because you mentioned time and money are these resources that are um, omnipresent in our lives, but they are also the we're never going to get to the point where it's like, I, I'm done with either that when you're, when you're done with money and you're done with time, you're actually done. Right. Like that's it. You're, you're done. It's, it's, that's, over. it's, it's over. over. Right. So the fact yeah. that you can come back to these lessons and these, and these, um, the symbols and, and, and the things you talk about in the book, I think are really, really valuable. Well, well, thanks for noticing that. I mean, if, you know, I'll give you a spoiler alert for coaching, whether you're hiring a $500 a month coach or a $500,000 a month coach, that coach's job is to unlock your relationship to practice, to practice at deeper, heavier, bigger levels than you've ever practiced before, to fall in love with practicing. It's what I've done with my daughter, coaching her to become become a professional musician. It's what I do with all my executive leader clients every day. It's what my coach does with me. Mm -hmm. And the book is really designed to just playfully encourage people to practice, to just keep showing up, to make it messy. I even joke in the end, this, the compassionate, the laws of compassionate change. There's even a permission to suck, you know, like permission to <laughs> suck at first, because if you don't give yourself that permission to be kind of terrible in the beginning, you're never going to continue. You'll have a fixed mindset. You'll say, why bother the next day? But if you, if you play with these things, what we realize is our ability to grow and expand and to try new things, it's truly malleable and we could work with it through practice. The book is called Permission to Glow. Christopher Carter, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Where can people pick up the book and where can they keep up with you and your work? Sure thing. My pleasure, Mike. And the best place to find it is permissiontoglowbook.com. That has access to all of our fun pre-order packages and just fun things we're doing around the book. And uh, I'd, I'd love for people to say hello. I love uh, meeting new people, especially Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Christopher, for having a productive conversation with me today. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Big thanks to Christopher for joining me on the program. Again, the book is called Permission to Glow. You can pick it up wherever books are sold. But again, if you want to just check out everything we talked about, relevant links, helpful tips, all that stuff, you can check those out in the show notes, which you can find in the podcast app you're using, if you are indeed using one right now. But also go to productivityist.com slash podcast 394. And when you're there, you can also quickly jump over to check out all the sponsors that we had for this episode. So make sure you give them some of your love as well because when you support them, you support the show. Want to support the show even further? Leave a rating or review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this program. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already done so. That way you don't miss a single episode of What's to Come and you have easy access to the archives. Speaking of What's to Come... 
Next time, I'm speaking with Jeff Harry. That's a conversation that's been waiting in the wings for quite some time. We've had uh, some fantastic conversations over the past several months, including one around some of the stuff that we don't really talk about publicly all that much. Well, I do. I talk about pro wrestling and all those things as well, but we get into that. That's a behind-the-scenes conversation, but we get into a lot of great stuff, and you don't want to miss that conversation. So if you're a subscriber, you're going to get it quickly and easily delivered to you. If you're not, hit that subscribe button now. That way you don't miss that episode. That's it for now. I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation with Mike Vardy, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.